I hang around construction sites all the time just so I can get a whiff. It is indigenous and it grows wild all over Southern California. Do you have a little sash that you keep lavender in and you put it in your underwear drawer? That's why dogs don't do Dutch ovens. (laughs) That is a mood altering smell. Yes or no? It is for me. Yes! How did you get that? Well done! Well, what is that, John? What? What the? What? What the heck is that, John? Do you smell something, Kurt? I smell fear. I smell delight. I smell scintillation. You can smell scintillation. Ooh, ooh, that smell! Can't you smell that smell, Kurt? That smell is all around you. Leonard Skinner loved it. Do you know their gym teacher in high school was Leonard Skinner? I think we've talked about that. That's, That's how, how they got their name. Did he spell his name with vowels, though? The real guy? No. Yeah, he did. He was Leonard and Skinner. And they they decided to do the half vowel with the Y. You know what? They were so poor, they couldn't buy a vowel because they're $250 each. They were from Florida. And I don't know how Florida fits into Southern Rock, but they must have been from Northern Florida, which ironically is like the South. The Panhandle, yes. The Redneck Riviera. And Jacksonville too, right? It's just that, like the more, it's just irony. The more North you go in Florida, the more South you are. And the more South you go, the more North you are. Do you find that Northern Florida smells differently than Southern Florida, Kurt? For example, in Southern Florida, I bet you smell more key lime pie. And yes. And oranges. Oh, that great orange smell. Man, oh man. is that? Are we going to talk about great and possibly even horrible smells? Because I have a an above average size nose. So I'm particularly qualified for this episode and this topic. Yes. In fact, I had two friends, three friends in college in my fraternity who all had huge noses. I said slightly above average. You up the ante to huge. And we're sitting in our fraternity. One of them said, well, I can smell something. I was like, something? You can smell the Pacific Ocean from here. (laughs) And that was New Hampshire. That's a long way away. He must have had a big nose. Still does. Yeah. What were some of his most favorite smells, Kurt, other than the Pacific well, Ocean? <laughs> well, the question is, you know how they used to say, oh, I can smell fear? Yes, I, I think, think you actually can. Is that biological because your body gives off some pheromones or, her- or her- some sort of moans? Yeah, I think it actually, it goes actually out through your sweat, believe it or not, Kurt. So when you're afraid or disgusted for that matter, and I think through your sweat, I think they've actually collected sweat and been able to determine that there's some sort of odor thing going on there. Your sweat is odiferous. If you can smell fear, can you smell confidence as well? Probably. I can smell lateness. (laughs) I think I can smell cheapness too. I can smell them both. Lateness and cheapness. You're only one of those things. I'm optimistic about time. It's okay. I think that time fits in my schedule more than I fit into its schedule, and I will continue to do so. And therefore, ergo, I am tardy quite often. Okay. So that's a great way to put it. That's like the ultimate spin. If you, you should be in the spin zone after a political debate. You are optimistic about time. That's a brilliant spin, Kurt. I am. Look, here's what I'd like to talk about with smell. I want to talk about, you know, good smells. I want to talk about, you know, those that put us in a good mood. 
just by the smell. Okay. I want to talk about offensive smells, those that offend us. I want to talk about nostalgic smells, those that bring us back to a time, whatever, and maybe meditative or some other kind of smells. What do you think about that, smelly? <laughs> I think that we can do all that, but we're agreeing that we're going to leave out odor neutral smells. Yes, we don't want to talk about that. By the way, here's a question for everyone. You have a friend, a fairly good friend or a friend. I'm not talking about a colleague that you don't know or a new business person. And that person has quite a bit of BO. Ooh. Do you tell them? What do you know? Uh, ooh. Sometimes you can get into a cab and this is not a reflection on cabbies in general, but there just ain't no place for that to go in a taxi. And that is a rough ride. But what if it's your friend? And what do you if it's your friend, you tell them because you think they would want to know. If you had bad breath, wouldn't you want your friend to tell you? If you had something stuck between your teeth, wouldn't you want your friend? If your fly were down, wouldn't you want your friend once he explained why he was looking there? I actually do tell people that not not the smell, but something caught in their teeth or the fly down. Yeah, We had a debate like this in high school and, and three of us decided to tell our other fourth friend that he had halitosis and it was a tough conversation. But, you know, he probably looks back on that and says, you know what, that was an act of love and generosity. And they did it not to hurt me, but because they cared about me. And I'm sure he's grateful for it now. I have a question for you. Do you think smell is directly correlative to wanting something? If it's a good smell, like you smell donuts. Oh, man, I want donuts. Yeah. And therefore, what happens to a vegan or vegetarian when they smell the best smell of all time, which is bacon? Well, I think that it does it is a part of wanting something or for that matter if it's a bad smell not wanting something and you know that you know the biggest part of tasting food is probably smell related do you know that smell is actually the oldest of our senses how do you quantify that by age <laughs> seriously how would you know if one is older if we have if it's a human trait which it's not it's all animals but if you're talking about human thing and then we have five senses how would someone know that it's the oldest? Maybe it goes back the farthest in time from current people. I buy that. Like I can have a smell that reminds me of when I was two, but I don't have the, the sight of it and I don't have the feeling of it and I don't have the taste of it. Listen, first of all, I read it on the internet. Second of all, it came out of the mouth of the kind of person with the title that would know this kind of thing. Third of all, hang on. Third of all, they referred to it as chemo detection, which makes them seem very smart, like they know what they're talking about. And they said that even a single cell animal has ways to detect the chemical composition of the environment because chemo detection is detecting chemicals related to smell. So what? I don't get it. I don't know how you'd know. Well, you don't have to know. You don't know how your computer works, but you use it all the time. All right. So Adam and Eve could smell before they could taste or feel or whatever the other senses are. So the premise of your question is that Adam and Eve are real. Do you want to spend time on that? No. You probably have a short list of all time greatest, most favorite smells in the nose of Kurt Schneider. Give me one or two. I gave you bacon already, right? Oh, so bacon. I still like the smell of bacon, and it probably makes me want to eat bacon, but not enough to actually eat bacon. I have another smell of something that I don't eat that I think is an incredible smell, actually one of the world's greatest smells. And that is when the sausage and pepper and onion are being cooked, the pepper and onion smell orgasmic. Especially euphoric, yes, especially when it's outside. Inside sauteing garlic and onions, I don't care where I am in the house, I smell that and my 
my hunger gene kicks in and I'm just so excited to eat it. I think I can eat an entire wedge of just peppers and onions and have the time of my young life. Well, the sausage kind of helps too. Now, listen, you think faking bacon has the same smell? Like, can you add smell on? You probably could. I don't know. Probably. I haven't tried to, but you know, since we're in the kitchen and certainly foods are among the best smells, I think that a fresh cut lime or fresh squeezed lime juice, like when you're making a vodka tonic like you do, what is better than fresh cut lime smell? Are you with me, Kurt? Yeah. You know, I like limes in my drinks, except for lemon peel. I had this discussion the other day. I ordered a martini. You ready for this? And I was out for a business dinner. Was it a, was it a gin or a vodka martini, Kurt? Very funny. I made my order and people were like, oh my God, would you shut up? Because I have quite a few directions. And then I said, I like a twist. She said, would you like a lime twist, a lemon twist, or an orange twist? Ooh. I said, oh my God, you have just given me zero confidence that you know what you're doing in ordering this gin martini. Gotta There's be a lemon. Twist. It's gotta be a lemon. That's it. That's it. It's gotta That's be it. a lemon. Do you know that our scent cells are renewed every 30 to 60 days? Hold on, mine are just renewing now. I can see it on your face. What about those guys that like, I love the smell of wine. I don't have the ability to say, oh, I'm picking up a hint of early cranberry with a little bit of boysenberry and some dark chocolate, but not regular chocolate, Belgian chocolate that was taken first in the Alps and then went on a snow ride down into Italy and came up on the, on the accelerated train. Yes. Despite my nose, I am unable to detect what's in the nose of a wine. However, it does add to the taste of wine. Like you said to everything, if you smell it first, and I will say my favorite wine, as most people know, is Chateauneuf de Pop. Because as most it. people know, yes, it's widely known. I hope you're limited to as most people who know you know. I stop people in the street all the time saying, Kurt Schneider, I know you don't know him, but what's his favorite wine? And they're like, Chateauneuf de Pop. And then they tell me the whole story about how in Avignon, the papacy was moved from the Vatican to Avignon for a period of time, which is what Chateau Neuf de Pop means. And then the next thing you know, we're having salad de soie in a cafe. So for the pastis to start because it induces hunger. No, I should have said most people who listen to this podcast know. Ah, that's a good qualifier. It's my favorite wine. And boy, that smell. You can actually smell the grape and oh, oh man, that is... Can you... Can you smell the person's foot who barefoot like Lucy and Ethel were stepping on it, probably with their toe fungus? So here's a smell that's not related to food or drink that I think is sublime. And I don't know that this is widely thought of as one of the great smells. And it is the smell of sawdust. I love the smell of sawdust. I don't know what it is about it. I don't know if it's the excitement of construction or if I just like the smell. But sawdust, yeah, man. Next thing you know, I'm chowing down on a two by four. That's actually really a cool thought. I hadn't thought about that. But as soon as you said it, immediately, bam, I got in my head the smell of sawdust. It is good. I think it is a little bit like the, you know, tapioca pudding and banana. I think too much smell of sawdust is too much. But I hang around construction sites all the time just so I can get a whiff. Or <laughs> for a different reason. But we'll pull it I, I don't. I, I don't even know what you're suggesting there. Have you ever opened a can of whoop-ass, Kurt? (laughs) Doesn't smell too good. I don't know what a can of whoop-ass. I don't think there is literally a thing called a can of whoop-ass. I think it's a metaphor. I was in Memphis last weekend, and I stopped a man on the street because I had to take a picture with him because his t-shirt said, world's greatest farter. 
Oh, God. I had to had to take a picture of them. So I will tell you, in that vein, you and I have talked about this, actually, in a previous episode. The smell of gasoline is just terrific. Oh, I, too, have that on my list, Kurt. I love the smell of gas. I actually like the smell of jet fuel, too, when you're on an airplane. I like that smell. But gas. Well, you're like a heavy hitter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what's really nice when you talk about nostalgia is I love the smell of plastic toys, especially ones that like used to be sold in a five and dime. You remember that? Like when you go, to, we used to go down to Woolworths. Remember that smell? And it was just like, it was new plastic, but it smelled fantastic. That, and I happen to love the smell of elementary schools. Elmer's glue smells great. Yeah. That's why I guess that's why kids eat it. And the chalk, when you push the things together, the erasers. Don't like that smell. Makes me want to gag. Oh, man. I, I, I think that elementary school smells. Are f- and I, by the way, it's probably because you and I loved elementary school. Or did you? I loved you. It. I did, too. You must have been bummed when the world shifted to dry erase boards. Rent did it? Has it shifted? I think so. Here is my number one nostalgic smell, hands down. This is so clear cut, number one, that there is not even a number two. And it is. And we've already talked about it. I don't think so, but we'll find out in a moment. It's when my two sons were really little and they just got out of the bathtub and were fresh dressed in their clean pajamas. That is the best nostalgic smell. Those little boys, my little boys, I haven't smelled anyone else's little boys, but my sons just fresh out of the bath, all time number one nostalgic smell. With Johnson baby shampoo in her hair. Also a very good smell. What did you think I was going to say since you thought you knew it? Oh, which was my all-time nostalgic one, which I thought you agreed with me on a previous podcast. Which is? Original chapstick. That's a fabulous smell and taste. It brings me back to my childhood. All of a sudden, I'm in eight layers. I can't move. I got, you know, Wonder Bread plastic bags stuffed inside some leaky snowshoes. And I'm going out to try to sled for and get like four runs in before I got pelted in the, in the head with a snowball from my brother. And yes, that smell of original chapstick. That is a great smell. Whenever I use it now, and I still occasionally come across it, that smell absolutely transports me back to an earlier time. All right. So anyway, we're talking about nostalgia. We're talking about chapstick. I think for me, a huge nostalgic scent is night blooming jasmine. <laughs> what are you living in like some sort of you know crazy novel <laughs> yeah i have really i'm fabio yes you, you and fabio are almost indistinguishable you're like Catherine, and what was the what was the guy's name and weathering heights going through the spanish moors yeah, yeah. what was his name heathcliff yes you no know, i'm kind of like michael bolton singing a song and all of a sudden i'm in night blooming jazz and me and michael bolton on a swing swinging under a beautiful pagoda of night blooming jazz i don't think that would be good because i think his hair would get like in your face and in your mouth and that would be gross what if i was in between fabio and michael bolton on the so same did swing? you say night blooming jasmine can i explain you're gonna need to explain can you explain please explain it is indigenous and it grows wild all over Southern California. And when I was a child, my grandparents lived in Southern California, did my uncle and my cousins, and we would go quite often to visit them. And therefore, the smell just reminds me, it's one of those things that just kicks in, bam, and I'm nostalgic. And when I moved to Los Angeles with my wife, and then we had our first child there, we had night blooming jasmine all over my house. And it was just 
delicious, the smell. A smell can be delicious, so you know. I think it absolutely can be. I remember your story reminds me of a trip my family took to Africa. Wonderful trip. Trip of a lifetime kind of a trip. And every night at the end of the day's drive, we'd pull back into camp and there was this intense and wonderful smell of, I think, sage. Really an intense sage. And the reason I'm not sure is because of Simon and Garfunkel. I don't know whether it's parsley, sage, rosemary, or thyme. I just know it was one of those, but they mess me up when it comes to differentiating among those spices. They might as all well be herbs de Provence. A lot of people have those herbs de Provence. Sachets? I don't think so. I think that was, that was the 90s. That yeah, those like, were like, they were made like in a little ceramic jars, weren't they? And you brought them to people. Here's our herbs de Provence. So what about the fact? So anyway, I love if we're sticking in the floral place, there's probably three that I love. Night blooming jasmine, <laughs> lavender, <laughs> lavender, of course, okay. which reminds me of Provence. Do you have a little sash that you keep lavender in and you put it in your underwear drawer? Uh, no. <laughs> you love the smell so much. I think I should. You are like potpourri personified here with this. I love it. And then I also love stargazer lilies. Oh, the smell of those are just fantastic. Oh, you come into a room and you can immediately smell them and it just puts you in a wonderful mood. It's kind of like, John, when you get out on the ski mountain early in the morning, it puts you, you can smell the mountain. You can smell it. And it gives you such an amazing joie de vivre. You just are, you are joyful to be alive. If you are experiencing joie de vivre, you must use Herbe de Provence at lunch on your, whatever you're eating. And then you should put some potpourri in your ski boots. You know what smells terrible, by the way? If you've ever stopped and smelled it, the stuff that gets caught on your dental floss at night, that is not good smelling stuff. I had a friend once, we were all up skiing in Vermont and he came down. He said, do you know why you should dental floss every night? If for nothing else, finish flossing, take all the floss and put it up in a ball and smell it. And you'll say, oh my God, I better floss every night. You don't floss, do you? I do. I floss this morning. Thank you. And are you a regular flosser? Yes, I have to, but I do have to go to the dentist tomorrow. So I'm one of those, oh shit, I better catch up. Oh yes. I definitely raised my game in the week or two before the dentist visit. My dentist actually goes through and grades my gums with a numerical score every corner of each tooth. And they yell out these numbers and you really have to be ready to perform. It's a lot of anxiety. Kurt, give me a truly off-putting smell, but only after... I tell you one of the great smells that transport you in time. Actually, you asked for mood-changing smells. The smell of a fire in the fireplace, that is a mood-altering smell. Yes or no? It is for me. Totally agree. I think there's a tiny discrepancy we should point out. I happen to love that. I actually love a fire out in the woods, that smell even better than the one inside the house. But yes, I'm, All right. I'm, I'm, I'm happy with an outdoor fire as well. Largely in terms of its ability to impact your mood. It is it transports you, it's soothing, it's base, it's ancient, and it's warm. Fire hits on four of your senses, right? You're not eating fire unless you have, you know, flaming hot uh, Cheetos, but you are eating the fire. Yes. The perfect analog to eating fire, the super hot Cheetos. Flaming, flaming I'm sorry, Flaming Hot Cheetos. And this episode of Smart Dribble is brought to you by Flaming Hot Cheetos. The only way to really eat fire. Think about how a fire is, is so efficient to your senses. 
You smell it, as you said, which is incredible. And it's transportative. You look at a fire, right? Especially you just stare. How many people in their lives have just sat there and just stared at a fire and it transports you? It's not even a stare. It's, it's sort of a gaze, kind of like the ocean. You're right. It's not a stare. It's a gaze, but it's a vacant gaze. It's not a direct gaze. And so things are happening. Then you also hear the fire crackle, 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 crackle. And you can feel the fire. It's warmth, as you said, and it sort of takes over you. Therefore, envelops you, Kurt. Let's use our verbs. It envelops you. It cloaks you. Ooh. So I'm with you on the fire completely. I also think a phenomenal smell. And maybe I am just completely getting my inner, I loved school kid because I loved school when I was younger. I love, and we talked about elementary school and everything. I love the smell to this day of new books, mm. right? The, the ebook has ruined that for us, but you get a new book and you open that up. Oh man, it gets you excited. And then I get transported back to when I was a kid and I used to wake up in the morning and read before school just so I could get my books in. You know how like on the first day of school, you got all your books and you, you, one of the, the first homework was to take them home and put covers on them. Did you use like brown paper bags or did you get a little bit more creative? You probably had pictures of bloomy night lilies or something. Actually, I had unicorns on there and rainbows. No, I was the brown paper bag guy. Math, English, social studies. Well, more room for doodling then. So I don't have any flowers on my list, but I do have something that grows out of the ground. And even in gardens, all-time Hall of Fame smell, fresh. Basil. I'm not going to give it Hall of Fame, but I think it's pretty darn good. Do you know that dogs have 44 times more scent cells than humans? We have five to six million dogs, 220 million, which has to concern you when you consider how dogs get to know one another. (laughs) That's why dogs don't do Dutch ovens. (laughs) By the way, is this one, this smell can go either way. Some people love it, and I happen to be in that category, and some people can't stand it. But it's not binary because some people can't do it. Smell pee after eating asparagus. Yes! How did you get that? Well done! Because you said that some people can't do it. And that's where you went. That was great. I happen to love the smell of your pee the morning after asparagus. Oh, God. I I understand that some people can smell it and some can't. And I can. But I have never considered it a great smell. In fact, I find it more offensive than delightful. You know what one of the worst smells ever is, Kurt? And you and I have experienced this far too many times. Would you like to guess? Just hanging out with Jimmy Steinhagen. <laughs> oh, God. Poor Jimmy Steinhagen. Well, the good news there is only you've experienced that. I've not. And for those of you who don't remember, poor Jimmy Steinhagen has come up on a bunch of episodes because he was a childhood friend of Kurt's who had an unusual habit of taking off his socks and shoes and stepping in dog shit because he liked the way it felt between his toes. Here's a terrible smell that both you and I have experienced. New York City on a 95 degree day. That place stanks something awful. It smells like hot garbage, Kurt. I think it's actually worse in the morning when the garbage is still out. You're right. And very hot. It's tough. Can I tell you something? Please. It's not offensive to me because I think the way the human beings are just amazing and they're complex and they're individual individuality and different different talents that are that we don't even know that are innate to us. So for instance, there could be a technically absolutely undeniable bad smell, right? Like you're saying, which is New York City on a 95 degree day. However, 
there could also be you associated with such good memories that that foul smell you actually like and you think it's a good thing. I'll give you two examples. That's going to be helpful to me because so far I'm not with you. Football locker rooms. They are they stink to high heaven. For me, that smell is fantastic because it brings me back to high school football where there's nothing better in the world. Nothing, nothing than high school football. So that brings me back, even though it's a horrendous smell. And something else, which is also probably nothing better than this at the time, fraternity basements. Oh, yes. So I didn't play high school football, but I can... But do you think there's a truism in that? Yes, I think your example of a high school football locker room which is filled with really nasty smells is a strong nostalgic pull what it makes me think of though is it the worst smell in all of sports and sports has a lot of bad smells the hockey bag that is the worst smell in sports bag out there kurt well lacrosse bags the same thing my kids would open their lacrosse bag and those gloves oh my god the same thing as the hockey gloves oh Man, so that that's tough to get over. But I don't have a specific memory of, of hockey. However, the football locker room in a fraternity basement, I happen to have good memories thereof. I totally understand your argument now. Bad smells that are attached to good memories and the memory of the great times is much more powerful than the smell in real life times. The nice thing about a memory is that you don't remember the smell as much as you remember the other stuff because it's hard to remember a smell, although you can. The smell of liver, like on a buffet line, that is a wicked ass smell. No bueno. No bueno. My dad liked liver. He would ask my mom to cook it for him sometimes, and she would not ever. And then if he begged, she would. And then my mom, my brother, and I would leave the house because it was horrendous. Your father begged your mother to make him liver. In my family, one of the most popular hors d'oeuvres at family gatherings was chopped liver. It would disappear like that. I would like to point out that I never indulged in the chopped liver and have no plans to. Oh, I have, because I had a lot of Jewish friends who made chopped liver. And by the way, it also became one of the greatest Jewish expressions. What am I? Chopped liver? We must be nearing the end of our time. We are. All I want to say is smell you later. Oh, very nicely done, Kurt. Well, listen, Kurt and I will be back next week with a brand new episode of Smart Dribble. Until then, we hope your week is filled with Smart Dribble, where we... Promise the dribble and hope for the smart. Thank you for listening, everybody. Bye-bye. Ciao.